Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So the topic for the talk today is um, the present moment, something we hear a lot about all the time, no matter where you are. Everyone's talking about present moment experience. It's almost like it's the new religion, huh? Mm -hmm. Just be in the moment. Um, And even here, if we give you meditation instructions, we tell you, anchor yourself to the present moment. Um, Use the body, breath, sound, sensations. Come back to the present moment. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Um, I have the Zen teacher who likes to point out that um, the whole idea of the present moment is an idea. And we'll talk about that later. But I remember about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, I got these present moment cards that I carried around to remind myself of the present moment. (laughs) So I'll read you a few of my present moment cards. And the the problem with the present moment cards is I kept losing them. (laughs) I'd find them in the bottom of a bag, you know, in a drawer, just all over the place except in front of me. So, um, but I'll read you a few and you might enjoy them. Okay. Give up waiting as a state of mind. When you catch yourself slipping into waiting, snap out of it. (laughs) Easy, right? Uh, Come into the present moment. Just be and enjoy being. If you are present, there is never any need for you to wait for anything. Observe the rhythm of your breathing. Feel the air flowing in and out. Feel the life energy inside your body. Allow everything to be, within and without. Allow the isness of all things move deeply into the now. Be aware of the space that allows everything to be. Listen to the sounds, don't judge them. Listen to the silence underneath the sounds. Touch something, anything, and feel and acknowledge its being. Silence is a potent carrier of presence. So when you read this, be aware of the silence between and underneath the words. Be aware of the gaps. To listen to the silence wherever you are is an easy and direct way of becoming present. If you were conscious, that is to say, totally present in the now, all negativity would dissolve instantly. It could not survive your presence. Listen to the voice in your head. Be there as the witnessing presence. 
and create a gap not only in the stream of mind, but also in the past-future continuum. Nothing truly new and creative can come into this world except through that gap, that clear space of infinite possibility. There's something truly magical and wonderful in landing in the present moment. You know that saying, the pregnant pause? Mm. Pregnant with possibility, rich, with a new birth, with creativity, with a fullness, a groundedness, this beautiful piece of being. We've all touched in and know it, or we wouldn't be sitting here. We wouldn't wake up on Sunday morning and drive here, park. On Wednesday nights, I teach at Kaiser a mindfulness class. <laughs> Siri Sorry, comes. Wendy, I could not do that. <laughs> My pal. <laughs> So the people that come are new to meditation. They're brand new. It may be the first time. They don't know much about it, and they, they tend to get, be on the freeway a long time. They drive from long distances. Um, they've worked long days, some of them in manual labor, so they're t- physically tired. A lot of them have children. Sometimes they have two jobs. They're really busy people. And um, beginner's mind, they're new. They're new to this brand new, and we meet, and week after week, the room gets quieter, and everybody sinks a little deeper, and they start to feel the beauty of presence silently with each other, you know, Mm -hmm. that beautiful, and so I get to watch that, me and Siri, Um, (laughs) you know, I get to watch that, and uh, I get to watch the appreciation and the surprise. Like, wow, I was so busy, I'm so stressed, everything's crazy, my boss is bugging me, and you know, and, and the freeway was awful, and right, I've been up since this hour, and, and there's like surprise and appreciation on their face, and wow, this moment happens, this beautiful peace happens here. Um, it's wonderful to witness that every week um, for weeks on end. It's a beautiful gift for me. But as we all know, sometimes you sit for meditation or you are intending to drop into the present moment and just get a sense, a grasp of that silence, that beauty, that peace walking around. And um, it can be rough, right? It's not always there. And um, it can feel like the opposite, in fact. It could feel like almost hell, right? You're nodding. Um, And your mind just will not stop talking, no matter what you do. And so it's really very clear that this body-mind system tries to avoid the present moment and get out of it, because sometimes it's unpleasant, because there's so much suffering in our life. 
right? The flavor of suffering helps us or, or forces the body-mind to jump out of the present moment. And there's this meditation teacher that his line is, um, for mindfulness, we come for peace and we stay for the war. And I think that, I love that, right? Because it's not always peaceful. So we'll explore that a little bit more. So one of my meditation teachers likes to say, when you're not dropping into this beautiful silence, this pregnant pause, right, this beautiful peace, then with Vipassana practice or mindfulness practice, there are tools, there's a roadmap. You're not alone. You get to take out your, your roadmap. And um, he likes to say that the, the tools are looking at what is obstructing the ability to get there and knowing how to do it. And in doing this, we train the mind. We're actually in a mind training for all the obscurations that block this beautiful um, presence that's our birthright, that's ours, that we have. So we have to appreciate, though, that we're working with is a lot of habit, deep conditioning. Um, we all, we've been talking about the negativity bias, that your mind will chatter about the problems. Um, it will create problems when there aren't problems. Did you ever notice that? I'm sitting in my garden. It's a beautiful day. Everything's blooming. And then I'll look at... Um, the tomato vines that aren't growing right, and maybe there's a little rot there, or the tomato isn't doing well, you know, or um, that vine had to be cut, right? You look for the problems in the garden, not the beauty of the garden. <laughs> if the mind, if their mindfulness isn't present, that's what we tend to do, right? We'll look for a beautiful morning, we wake up, we're healthy, we've woken up from our nice comfy bed in our lovely space, nothing is going on, and then the mind will start manufacturing and telling you about the problems you have, right? And without the mindfulness, you can get on the problem train. We're looking for threats, and the negativity is very loud. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in myself is um, an obscuration to present moment is the weight of having to carry a self. Right? The idea of a self, who I think I, who I take myself to be, mm -hmm. who do I think I take myself to be, and how I need to project myself and how you see me and my view has to be right for you. No, it really has to be right. I'm not kidding. <laughs> right? There's a heaviness and obscuration, right? When we're taking ourselves to be someone. And we're taking it so seriously, it gets very heavy, mm -hmm. right? We just ruminate on who we are, who we are, and how you should see me, and why you should listen to me, and why I should have what I need to have. And you should, believe me, <laughs> right? You should go along with me. There's a lot of suffering in that, a lot of dukkha, right? And, and that's what gets in the way. So our mind training is to work skillfully with what gets in the way, right? We're not all going to sit on the park bench like Eckhart Tolle, and I love him, right? And it's just, we're present. It's not always going to be like that, and the Buddha knew that, right? So, 
so much of the time we live in a conjured experience, an experience that we're creating, that a story that we're telling ourselves about. Even um, the present moment is a story. This body, this body-mind, um, stuff is coming in through the six sense doors in milliseconds so fast, right? So uh, we're taking in data from the eye that's seeing, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. The sounds we hear, the smells, the taste, and the mind that creates mind objects, and, and the Buddha calls it the flood. The flood is invading us constantly. We're all the stimulation is rushing in, and we want to land in the present moment. Well, <clears throat> apparently if you study um, biology and neuroscience, what we think is the present moment is the past. It's all happened so fast, right? We're just collecting data, and we distort data. But we call it the present moment because we are the center of the universe, right? And what I think is really very real. One of my Zen teachers, and I'm going to drift off a little bit, likes to use a glass of water as an example for um, how we conjure up experience and how our mind distorts. A glass of water. I don't know if you'll get this. I've never shared this with people, so we'll see if you can grasp it. He's, what do you think is here? Glass of water, right? It just came from the faucet, nice clean water to you. It's just you in this water, right? This clean, clear glass of water. And he says, this water went through streams, mountains, oceans, the sewer system, the toilet bowl, many bodies, the sky, the clouds, <laughs> pipelines, sewers, big water things. What do they call those? Reservoirs. Um, it's been traveling for years, for thousands and thousands of years. How old is this water? But when you drink it, you think it's only clean water. <laughs> right? I remember when he mentioned that, I just kept thinking, it's traveled through bodies? <laughs> yes, it has. This is the interconnectedness. We form this idea of a separate self, right? A world that revolves around us. And it's not an accurate perception, yeah? So, don't think about this too much when you drink water. <laughs> we want you to stay hydrated. <laughs> so we're doing this mind training. And really, the mind training that we're doing is to allow us to be with the dukkha, the dukkha of life, the suffering of life, to know it and to be with it in an open-hearted, alive, vibrant, accepting way without a fear response, without rejecting or pushing away or reactivity. And we know this takes this warrior training. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of... Um, what we say, right effort, you know, takes a lot of sticking in there and hanging with, with it. And it takes, in truth, failure. You know, we're going to fail at it and being comfortable with that. So what is our dukkha? And, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, 
Well, it's, it's the overbearing nature of all this sensory overload that we're with. There's a suffering in it. Bonnie and I, who's not, Bonnie's not here today, but we were talking about a couple of Saturdays ago, a few people um, in the Sangha came to my house and we were working on uh, meditation and concentration. So we were sitting for 20 minutes in the house and then we would walk out to the garden and do walking meditation for 20 minutes. We'd come back, we'd sit. And we did this over and over again to build concentration. It was really lovely and sweet and rich, and I hope we all do this as a sangha together. But Bonnie and I were saying afterwards, there was like this suffering when we would walk out into the garden to do the walking meditation, and our eyes were open. Before that, we were sitting silently, working on the breath, being with the breath, and we noticed the subtle suffering of all the stimulation of the garden meeting our eye and pulling us out. And we both were, she was like, oh, that flower, that plant, that leaf, that lizard, that, you know, that color, right? And I felt the same thing. It was almost a suffering in my sense, the smell of the flowers, right, the feel of the earth. It was just this explosion of overload. And very often in life, we're not present for the overload. It's there, and a lot of times we just feel overwhelmed, right? Or tired, or we're just sleepy, foggy, or we've got to stop. So um, in, in the old days, that's why you'd see a lot of people taking a cigarette, but we run to the coffee, or we do more overload. We turn on our phone to look for the latest news. What happened? What happened? Right? Or we text somebody. Right? It's almost like we can't land on the dukkha, the suffering of our sensory experience, and how much it demands of us, how much life demands of us. So that is the subtle dukkha that takes us away from this beautiful presence of the present moment. So it's really a wonderful experience being in the garden like that and feeling the beauty, the life, the pleasant of looking at the garden, the sweetness of the garden, and seeing that even in the pleasant, there's suffering. Right? Even in the pleasant, there's a mind that can't land and stay on it. That's really interesting. Really interesting, and really Bonnie articulated it so well. I'm sorry she's not here. You make her listen to this tape. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so back to training of the mind, because in truth it's this quality of aliveness, wakefulness, um, brightness, and warmth that sustains and nurtures us through all these things. So we want to cultivate it. And um, a quote from Tara Brock, um, we become the awareness we seek and rest back into our own true nature. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's, it, she's in the Buddha's um, teachings, teaches us how to rest more deeply into the moment. And her, her, her line is, um, we become the awareness we seek. We become the awareness we seek, and we rest back into our own true nature. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really beautiful. 
So um, what, we, what we call on are the five spiritual faculties. And we'll talk about that. Um, so the Buddha gives us a lot of lists and a lot of ways, a lot of roadmaps to get there. And there are many roads in Buddhism, not one. Some of you are really into Brahma Vihara, loving kindness, and some of us are really into the hindrances, and other of us work on concentration. Um, sometimes we're working on the aggregates. There's all sorts of roads, many roads, many, many, many paths. And today I just want to talk about how this is called five spiritual faculties that help guide us to this um, the becoming the awareness we seek and resting back into true nature. So, um, and as we cultivate them in Buddhism, it's written that they become five spiritual powers. You know, it becomes like a power. Not a magical power, a practice power. It's different, right? And the first one is faith. And I want to focus on that a little bit more. It's faith energy or wise effort. That's the second one. Mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. You've heard them all before. But I, the goal of our talks, Casey and I both, is not really to give you new information. It's to help us all deepen what we already have. Right? To go a little deeper, see it from another perspective. So that's what we're doing today. And particularly with faith. Um, and again, I'm relying a little bit on Tara Brock because some of what her lines are so beautiful. As you know, I know several of you are really into Tara Brock's podcast. Um, and, and she asks, well, what can we really have faith in? Right? What in life can we really have faith in? With a changing nature of things. Can we really rely on people, places, our money, <coughs> our government, our home, our health? When we look deeply, the answer is no. So where, where do we put our faith? Where truly can we rest in faith? Now, of course, there's always blind faith, which a lot of people have. A lot of fundamental religion is based on blind faith. Um, a lot of authoritarian states, blind faith. And that's why in Buddhism, faith has to be balanced with wisdom. Your experience, your knowledge, your exploration, your own inquiry. Right? It's not blind faith. It's not, oh, Wendy said this, so I'm going to do it, because I trust Wendy. No, it's trusting your experience of the practice that brings about a wise faith. So we mix together faith with wisdom. <coughs> you check this out, right? You explore it, and then you know in your heart, in your body, you know it. It's a body knowledge, your knowledge. Thank goodness, right? So um, we want to develop the faith to be with experience as it unfolds. Good, bad, boring, sleepy, fabulous, happy, a blooming garden, a garden filled with um, stuff that makes everything die. The whole thing, right? 
to know that we can rest in the experience no matter what is going on. Um, and I had a nice quote from the Dalai Lama. Here it is. Um, he was asked always what Westerners need to learn. Seems like everybody asks him that all the time. What do Westerners need to learn? I mean, this has been going on for years. And thank goodness he answers and says, what we need to learn is to trust our own hearts and the power of our awareness to awaken through all circumstances. Very important for these times, right? That through the roughest times we can awaken. Imagine putting our faith in that. And some of you have, as I talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, um, when rough stuff happens, I see many of you um, getting brighter, developing wisdom, going deeper, developing a strength and a presence. It's really true. Yeah? So, um, particularly when the mind doubts in your practice, it's important to... Practice having faith to open to now, this present moment. The faith in opening to it. The faith that you can be here open, allowing and accepting. And deepening the trust of how it is. Right? It's just like this. Just like this. It's here, yes. So taking a moment to close your eyes and let's contemplate this just for a moment for ourselves. And just allow yourself to breathe, feel your body, feel your feet and your legs, your hips. Just sitting here in this moment and listening to these words, whatever arises for you. What can I have faith in? What do I have faith in? And what is it about this present moment, my present experience, that I need to learn? What's arising now? And can I allow myself to be with this exactly as it is? Just like this. Can I allow myself to relax back into this moment? And what is this moment's experience asking of me?
So faith gives us the energy and wisdom to allow ourselves to drop in to the present moment and be here with sometimes dukkha, with the suffering of it and the joy and the good good stuff, the yummy stuff, right? It, the faith gives us that ability to pause and drop in because I know it's worth it, right? I have the faith that it's worth it. Another example of faith and wisdom and is um, it comes in meditation practice. Yesterday morning, I sat down for meditation. It's Saturday. Crazy work week. So much multitasking. Day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. Right? Have any of you had that week? Some of you may have, right? And um, I sat down to meditate. I was going to meditate for a half an hour. And uh, like uh, the line in the Dharma talk, uh, mindfulness, come for the peace, stay for the war. It was a battlefield in there. It was rough. And I didn't even know. I got up after 15 minutes. I thought I had sat for 30. And my husband said to me, uh, he said, I thought you were sitting for a half an hour. I said, I did. I sat a half an hour. He said, no, it was 15 minutes. <laughs> it was like that, right? The mind was like a washing machine. Um, and I have an old washing machine, so sometimes when you fill it too much, the whole machine shakes. <laughs> That's what my meditation was like, right? But, you know, what's so great sometimes when you have a meditation like that, right? You see faith and wisdom, right? The wisdom is, I'm not my meditation, right? I don't have to say, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I can't meditate, and I teach meditation, right? I'm a bad meditator. I, my mind is crazy. I have a crazy mind. I'm agitated, right? You can let go of your eye. It's a condition. It's a situation. It comes and goes. Some days it's a good meditation. Some days not so good. Some days it's very peaceful. Some days it's not. You love it one day. You hate it one day. It's a lot like life, right? And so the wisdom says, this is not me. It's a condition, right? This is not my water. It's universal water, apparently. Right? Uh, that's wisdom. And faith is, I can sit and the conditions are not always great, but my faith in the practice is unshakable. Right? I'm going to still practice. There'll be walking meditation. There'll be some reading Dharma talk. Maybe I'll sit again. Um, the practice... I have faith in this practice even when it doesn't feel like it's getting me anywhere or it's very unpleasant or I'm in the war. You all know my favorite line. I say it all the time. Sometimes your mind's like a bad neighborhood. You can't go in there alone, <laughs> right? You know, it's just sometimes it's shake. You know, it's, there's a lot going on based on what's happening in your life. And then you have a cool, calm, relaxed day and the, the meditation is clear and beautiful. Who are you? Are you your meditation? Right. So faith and wisdom are the supports that help us drop into this beautiful presence, this beautiful present moment. And we don't have time to go through the other faculties, but I'll come back to them. Um, 
I want to say one or two sentences about wise effort and concentration. And I, I promised Angela I would tell a joke, so maybe I'll do that. <laughs> so um, the wise effort or the energy is about not trying too hard, you know, not pushing yourself, not running into your meditation and your mindfulness with a tight fist or muscling, not muscling it. Right? Not striving, but finding that middle between sleepiness and laziness and sloth to striving somewhere in the middle. You're going to stay with it. And, and uh, so that would be wise effort, right effort, finding your nice, comfortable middle. Sometimes it's too much energy or too little energy. Um, and the mindfulness is just allowing the awareness to come in. And also, um, being mindful of not grasping, the letting go. We don't always emphasize that. And the concentration is really about, be, with compassion, all coming back to your object, no matter what your object is. So, so now I could tell my joke. Uh, so there was a man who, um, say, 1920s or so, from Scotland. And um, he decided that he wanted to go to university in England. He'd never been to England. He didn't know any English people, right? So he didn't know what to expect. And off he goes to Scotland, even though his family was a little nervous. What would those people in England be like? And um, he's a freshman. He's in a dorm in England. And mom comes with a nice care package of Scottish goodies. And she says, so tell me, son, you know, what's it like to live with these uh, English people, what are they like? And he says, oh, mommy, they're so noisy. They're really hard to, to live with. The guy next to me, he keeps banging his head against the wall. And the guy on the other side, he shouts all the time. So I really have to stay concentrated and keep playing my bagpipes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Dharma joke, right. <laughs> Wise effort, concentration, right. So I think we'll end here. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.